Hello. So, oh, welcome to Cavancast. Um, so I realized something. I, I listened back to the last episode and uh, I didn't realize this while I was recording, but it was slightly excitable. Is that the word? Heightened, shall we say. And like I know relatively it's still pretty chill, but um, yeah, I listened to it back thinking this is quite intense just because I was marginally more excited and, and um, <sighs> joyful isn't the word, um, slightly more elevated and animated than usual. Um, I don't know if I, if I'm, if it's worth an apology, but for this episode, I'm going to bring it down a little bit. I'm going to keep it here. I'm going to keep it at this level. Okay. Cool. Uh, I hope you're well. I hope you're doing okay. I'm doing good. I feel good. I just got my hair cut. Got my hair cut, feeling fresh. I mean, it looks very much the same, just neater. I only ever trust one person to cut my hair. Always have, because we, did I tell you that? I was supposed to be a hairdresser. I was supposed to be a hairdresser. There you go, that was my, that was my original calling. Um, well, it wasn't my original calling, it was like my 15 year old calling. But um, yeah, life went down a different route. I feel like I have spoken about that before, anyway. Um, yeah, I got my haircut. I do like getting a haircut. I am one of those, but I'll tell you why I trust this guy. I'll tell you why I trust this one person. It's because he is the only person that can cut my hair and then have me leave and like my hair as soon as it's been cut. Like I never used to. Like when I got my hair cut when I was younger, I never used to like it until like a few days later. And I just have to trust that it'd be okay. And um, with him, it's just, I constantly like it. There's never a point where I don't like it. As in the cut, I definitely have bad hair days where I'm like, <laughs> cool. I'm just I'm waiting for like a flock of birds just to nest. But I was going to say nest could be jimmied into the first word but I, I don't think it can you'll see why in a second um so cavern cast hello welcome this is my podcast if you haven't been here before and you're wondering how it works how it works is i use a random word generator to generate five random words and then i just talk about them and the first word of today is fox and I was kind of thinking like nest, hole, fox, fo but foxes don't nest. I was like hibernating. It was not a good one, not a good one. But the first word is fox. And um, the first thing that pops into my mind is I feel, a, I feel like I might have spoken about this particular thing before, but it's really cute. So I'll say it again. Um, because it's my podcast and I don't care. Um, so 
so when I used to live in London, uh, there were there were wild foxes everywhere, everywhere, so many. Um, and yes, I always used to try and make friends with them. And yes, it probably wasn't a good idea. And no, I did not care. Moving on. Uh, so I lived in a pretty big house. Um, there was like nine of us living there. And uh, so the garden was pretty sort of decently sized because there were so many. It was like a big house, big sort of old Victorian house. Um, so yeah, decent sized garden. We thought so anyway. Um, and turns out, so did the foxes. In particular, a family of foxes that clearly thought uh, that our garden was communal. <laughs> uh, so every morning, if the foxes had had cubs, um, I would see them running around and like playing and play fighting and just generally being extremely cute. And I got to see them grow up, which was which was really nice. It was like my own personal Disney movie. It was great. I had a great time. I sort of made friends with a fox once. We just kind of vibed for a bit. I don't know if you can call it friends, but sort of acquaintances after a bit. I was um I was walking home at about two AM one night and uh I crossed paths with this fox in the street. And it didn't look scared. And it didn't freeze like like they normally do. Foxes are normally like <gasps> what was that? Like the meerkats in Lion King 3. If you haven't seen Lion King 3, you should watch Lion King 3. Um, yeah, it just sort of acknowledged me and was like, ah, cool. Just sort of curious. And I was like, yo. And he was like, sir, dude. I was like, dude, sir. He was like, sir, dude. Um, so I just, you know, I was in no rush. It was 2 a.m. I had nowhere to be except home in bed. So I just, I sat down on this step and then he sat down too. And we just kind of chilled for a bit. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to head out. And he was like, cool, man. I'm going to go look in this trash for some food. I was like, sweet dude, catch him. And that was that. <laughs> that was the night I vibed with a fox. I do really like foxes. What I don't like is the sound that foxes make um, when I'm trying to get to sleep at four in the morning. Um, I'd look out the window and there'd just be one just sat in the road, just shouting at nothing. I mean, I totally get it. I totally get it. Dude, who doesn't want to stand in the middle of the street and just let it all out sometimes? Get it. But we have to be considerate of our neighbours. These guys give no fox. No fox whatsoever. Eh? Eh? I liked it. Foxes are small to medium-sized omnivorous mammals belonging to several genera of the family Canidae. They have a flattened skull, upright triangular ears, a pointed, slightly upturned snout, and a long, bushy tail, also known as a brush. 
12 species belong to the monophyletic true foxes group of genus Vulpes. Approximately another 25 current or extinct species are always or sometimes called foxes. <gasps> Liars. These foxes are either part of the paraphyletic group of South American foxes or of the outlying group which consists of the bat-eared fox, grey fox and island fox. I'm an island fox. Foxes live on every continent except Antarctica. The most common and widespread species of fox is the red fox. Vulpes vulpes is the Latin, with about 47 recognized subspecies. The global distribution of foxes, together with their widespread reputation for cunning, has contributed to their prominence in popular culture and folklore in many societies around the world. Male foxes are known as dogs. Huh. They just ran out of different names. Do what should we call the male one? Oh, I don't know. Dogs. We already have those. It's been a long day, dude. It's Friday. Can we just... Okay. Alright. Dogs it is. Uh, Dogs, Todds or Reynards. That's it, isn't it? Okay, if not dogs, then what? Todds. Wow, you really don't want to strain any muscles, do you? No, I don't. No, I don't. Uh, females as vixens. I think I knew that. A group of foxes is referred to as a skulk, leash, or earth. Earth? Didn't know that. I get skulk. But leash is weird. And earth... And earth, and an earth of foxes, just a whole planet of foxes, like Isle of Dogs, but with foxes, planet of foxes. Oh my God, that's Mo- that's Mozilla Firefox, Mozilla, the fox going around the earth. It's true. They, I don't know who they is, but they uh, should definitely make a film about foxes, just like a load of different breeds hanging out. Just Isle of Dogs, but with foxes. Um, so it'd kind of be like Fantastic Mr. Fox, but just all foxes. Because there's not, they're not all foxes in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Spielberg, you, you sort it out, mate. Go on. Um, I saw that they're making a Sonic the Hedgehog sequel as well, and it has tails in it and knuckles. And I'm buzzing, to be honest. If you haven't played Sonic, then... Um, this is very cool because Tails is Sonic's fox friend who is in the second Sonic game. So now he's in the second Sonic film, which is awesome. Very good. Uh, I mean, Knuckles isn't in it till Sonic 3, so he's a tad premature, but we'll allow it because he's a badass and he does whatever he wants. So it's not surprising, really. Yeah, there you go. Foxes. What's next? Railroad. I've been working on the railroad all the live long day. That... Was that a singing book or did my mum sing it to me? I can't remember. I was young, dude. Absolute banger, though. How, how, like, when did railroads start? Quite a while ago, right? I imagine. 
I, d- actually, I didn't realize how new motorways were. Um, wait, when were they? 1958 motorways were mental. Um, okay, and railroads. Um, oh, wow. The oldest known man slash animal hauled railways date back to the 6th century BC in Corinth, Greece. Oh, is that when they had like the little, you know, the, no, it must have been even before that. Rail transport then commenced in mid 16th century in Germany in the form of horse powered funiculars and wagonways. Just a little bit earlier than Jesus. But yeah, you, you know, you know what I mean, like the Looney Tunes style, like <laughs> the, the carts that you push down on handlebars on either side, and it makes it go. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, da, 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 da. Modern rail transport commenced with the British development of the steam locomotive in uh, Methia Tidville. That's I think that's Welsh, and I. I've pronounced it very wrong. Um, when Richard Trevithick ran a steam locomotive and loaded wagons between Penny Darren Ironworks and Abakinnon in 1802. Uh, this is Wales or Scotland, isn't it? One of the two. Where is it? Where, where is Wales. Oh, it is Wales. They're in the same place. There you go. Um, oh, the world's first underground whale, railway. Railway. The Metropolitan Railway. Huh. Part of the London Underground. Opened in 1863. Nice. I did not know the Metropolitan Line was the first one. Mind you, thinking about it, it feels like it could have been the first. It has that vibe. That of the Bakerloo Line. I reckon they're both quite old school. I remember... I remember learning to take the underground when I was a kid. Like it starts off as in like an overwhelming mess of lines, and then you get it, and it's like, ah, cool, easy peasy, lines. I can do lines. Um, and I have fallen asleep on them way too many times as well. Woken up at the end of the line, like, god damn it, and it's like the last train home, and I'm like, guess I'm walking. I'm interested in the fact that people have asked on Google what were railroads used for? Like, that's one of the questions that comes up. What were railroads used for? I mean, fishing, I guess. I was in my hometown a while ago. Uh, In fact, it was a year ago because it was snowing and I was back for Christmas. And I ran into a friend of mine's mum and we spoke and caught up and she was like, oh, what are you up to now? And I was like, oh, I'm just out for a run. And uh, and she said, oh, did you run the railway track? And I was like, the what now? She said, yeah, there's a, there's a really nice trail that runs down the railway track between the two towns. And I was like, all these years, I grew up here with nothing to do. And there was a whole damn unused railway track that I could have been definitely not causing havoc by what the hell so I took her advice and walked down 
Okay, I didn't walk down the recommended trail. I totally walked down the actual track itself, which you're not supposed to do. Shh. And man, when I tell you it felt like a movie, it was great. It was so good. For like half of it, I I was scared that if I touched the rail, it would be like, and off I go 50 feet that way. Um, but no, it turns out that's... Uh, that's not how it works, I found out. Well, it kind of does, but it, it doesn't. Most of them are electrified by um, overhead lines uh, or like a third rail that runs down the middle, which is what they do for like the, the underground lines, uh, which my one did not have. But you never know. So if you find yourself with the ability and the opportunity to gallivant down a disused railway, a disused railway just remember my voice in your ears going google it google it i want to do the um the movie style american thing of, of hopping a freight train and just traveling with a view just for that vibe um i mean i guess i could do that here too it's not the same, is it? It's a different vibe over there. Um, if anyone knows, anyone in the States knows of a good train line I can peruse. Peruse? Experience? Adventure on? I don't know the right word. Hitch a ride? Um, let me know. Tweet me. <laughs> Actually, also tweet me. I have a question. Um for anyone who may be listening to this who drives a train um actually if anyone oh, can you mate if anyone listens to this podcast while driving a train that would blow my mind and worry me slightly but mostly blow my mind because of like the specificity of the whole thing um if you drive a train or know anyone that does if you drive a train or know anyone that does, <laughs> sounds like one of those like PSA adverts. Um, yeah, if you if you drive a train or if you know anyone that does, is it relaxing? Is it therapeutic? Is it boring? Is it stressful? What do you think of it? Um, I'd like to know. I should just go and ask Francis Bourgeois, shouldn't I? Really, good old Francis Bourgeois. Mate, that guy, I think this is the second time I've spoken about him on the podcast now. Francis Bourgeois. World's biggest train fan. I don't even feel right talking about railroads when I know he exists. Should have just got him on the podcast. Anyway, if you drive a train, tweet me. Um, trams spoon me out a little bit, though. I'm not on board with trams. Whenever I've been in a town with a, with a tram in it I don't know like Croydon or something I think my brain has just forgotten to remember that trams exist every time every time I see one like in person my my brain just goes why is there a train in the street <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean and then it, and then it, like after like a 0.5 of a second after the little freak out it just goes oh yeah it's a tram it's so silly. So silly. 
I really want to go to San Francisco though. That could be nice. San Fran, you can have the trams over there because it's like, you know, it's part of the aesthetic. Croydon, I don't know, man. I might have to sort it out. It's different levels, isn't it? Anyway, um, the next word is B. My name is Michael with a B. Where's the B? There's a B? Oh, what a vine. What a vine. Um, I've never been stung by a bee, tell you the truth. Don't know why. We just vibe, I guess. What I have been stung by is a wasp. What I've also done is drank a wasp. Yeah, literally. I was, um, I was camping when I was 14. Very hot summer. Uh, camping at a campsite, as you do. Uh, there was a lake. You know the drill. You know the scene. Just been running around like a little kid does, working up a sweat. Um, get back to the camp, and I'm like, oh, parched. 14-year-old me definitely wouldn't have used the word parched, but I'm taking artistic license. I don't care. I thought, what do I have around me to quench my insurmountable thirst? Water, nay. Way too bland for a summer's day such as this. A refreshing cola, perhaps. Perhaps not. I do not require the fizz of a carbonated pop drink at the moment. Ah, yes. The orange juice I had been drinking earlier in the afternoon. Perfect. <laughs> ah, I seem to have left the carton open. I'm sure this is fine. It was not fine. It was not fine. Orange juice isn't supposed to have a crunch to it. <laughs> Out I spat into my hand a wasp that had clearly been as parched as I. But uh, despite our common ground, I was and remain still vehemently against wasps. Because they're dicks. What was the word? Oh, bee. <laughs> Why am I talking about wasps? This is the, this is the bee's time. Um... Okay, yeah, bees are sound, bees are cool. They actually do so much for the environment. Like, I want to take this moment to thank the bees, okay? This is, a, this is a big shout out to the bees. Big up. Keep up the good work. Big fan. Big fan of the bees. Did the sugar water thing once. Um, you know, if you find a bee on the ground, not flying and looking really weak, you're supposed to give it sugar water to give it energy a little boost swear down people are saying now that you're not supposed to do that though what is it what's the what's the latest literature saying <laughs> okay amazing so right there's this article uh gloucestershire live a facebook post claiming to be from sir david attenborough the godfather of nature himself, urging people to leave sugar water out for struggling and tired bees, has been outed as a fake. <gasps> Heavens! The advice, which seemingly came from the environmentalist's page, was unwittingly shared by millions in good faith that the act of kindness will help the winged insects. How dare they! The now-deleted post said... 
In the last five years, the bee population has dropped by one third. If bees were to disappear from the earth, humans would have just four years left to live. What in the Doctor Who? The, all right, we'll leave that. What? Hang on, is that true or is that fake? Is the article fake or are the facts fake? I need to fact check this. Are we going to die? Wait, 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 wait. Bees die for years. Human. Apocalypse? No, but we don't need to put apocalypse. If bees disappeared off the face of the earth, man would have only four years left to live. The line is usually attributed to Einstein. This can't be true. All right, Forbes. Forbes, Forbes, Forbes. There is absolutely no evidence that Einstein ever said that. Yeah, figured. Uh, but even if the quote is misattributed, is it true? Dr. Pocock is an expert on bees. Not honeybees, but bumblebees. Um, it's an important distinction. Na, 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 na. La, 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 la. La, la, la. Okay, so it's a pollen thing that regulates all, like, the food. A lot of, like, the, the way we eat. Okay. Even if all the pollen-spreading insects did die out, it might lead to mass starvation on an unprecedented and unex unacceptable scale. I mean, we've just been through that. Um, but it probably wouldn't be the end of mankind. Interesting. Okay. Always good to fact check. Uh, so, carrying on with the fake-ass article. This time of years, this time of year, bees can look like they are dying or dead. However, they are far from it. Bees can become tired and they simply don't have enough energy to return to the hive, which can often result in being swept away. If you find a tired bee in your home, a simple solution of sugar and water will help revive an exhausted bee. Simply mix two tablespoons of white granulated sugar, sugar with one tablespoon of water and place on a spoon for the bee to reach. You can also help by sharing this post to raise awareness. Um, the article carries on to say, so that was the fake bit, and then the article from Gloucestershire Live writes, uh, where a teaspoon of sugar can help revive a single collapsed bee by leaving a readily available sugar water solution is the equivalent of mass feeding the insects junk food. Oh, brilliant. It's full of carbohydrates, which will give them an energy burst, but has no other nutritional value, unlike the food they should be having. Mate, I already like bees, and now we're both addicted to energy drinks. This is sick. There's so much in common. I always get on with people who like energy drinks. I'm going to see if they like Monster. Uh, it will not feed the growing larvae. Larva? Larvae. Larvae. Uh, when it is taken back to the hive. That's like, that's like, yeah, it's giving a can of Red Bull to a newborn child. Um, because the sugar water is easier to get, they will flock to the solution rather than forage for nectar. Brilliant. So it won't kill them. It'll just make them chonky. Cool. There you go. There's the info that you need. <laughs> Bees. Bees. There are over 4,000 
types of bees, and I'm going to go through every single one now. We have bumblebees, honeybees, carpenter bees, leafcutter bees, mason bees, who like to make nests in crevices, uh, mining bees, large carpenter bees. Oh, okay. I have this cool thing, this cool uh, analogy that if you're someone who has a tendency to feel guilty for not being productive all the time, um, we're not worker bees or worker ants. We're not built to work all the time. You know what I mean? Like we're built to take breaks and have time off. Whereas they're built to like their thing is just like, let's work, let's go, grind, grind, grind. Hell yeah. That's not us. When humans don't do that, we're like, we hunt, we eat, we work, we sleep. Perhaps some slight fornication and then more sleep. That's us. That's what we're, you know, that's what we're built for. And, you know, kindness and compassion and all that. But, um, yeah. Save yourself from feeling guilty for not being productive all the time because we're not built for it. We can do it, but we will burn out, as you've seen so many times. So, I hope that one helps. Maze is the next word. Right, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. So again, childhood type thing. Uh, I grew up in a small town and lived next to the field that there would be a fun fair set up on like twice a year ish something like that and um as a child fan of the fun fair fun fair fan like nine or ten maybe i was maybe a bit younger anyway i don't really know what age i am when i do these things uh what what there was was at this fair was there was one of those mirror mazes do you know what I mean? You know the ones it's like a, a room and it's just all I don't mean like the, the mirrors that make you look like have like a really long head and a massive bunda. They're not the ones I'm talking about. <laughs> Big fan of them though. No, the ones where it's just like it's like glass and mirrors and you sort of don't know where you're going and you're trying to get out. Um you have to try and make your way out, but there's loads of false exits. You know the one? Yeah, terrifying, right? Cool. Um but shouldn't shouldn't be that hard and kind of sounded fun cut to me five minutes later after going in literally crying on the floor because i was convinced that there was no way out and just as i was about to uh, accept my fate as it were uh the guy who worked there came in <laughs> looking so so bemused by the whole thing and just came up to me with a with a face that basically said another one and then led me to safety now I'm not saying he was my knight in shining armour because he was a bit of a dick about it so I can't bring myself to give him that title but he was like Shrek actually he was like Shrek when he rescues Fiona in, in Shrek 1 he'll do it he just won't be happy about it somebody once told me the mirrors were gonna roll me I ain't the sharpest tool in the maze. Lyrical genius. Um, I'll never forget the absolute awkwardness of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire 
when okay you have like three seconds of a spoiler warning because if you don't know by now what are you doing um one two three okay so when harry appears outside the maze with cedric's lifeless corpse the music that is playing is some of the most jubilant joyful triumphant music ever and my guy is just dead on the floor that did my boy cedric dirty on that one i'm not gonna lie oh robert Oh, Robert Patterson. Really looking forward to Batman now. I think it's going to be really good. Um, Favourite Harry Potter, though? Hmm. Part of me wants to say Goblet of Fire, yeah. Um, But I actually think it's one. I actually think it's Philosopher's Stone. I um, I was having this conversation with a friend um, that the first two Harry Potter films, they they have this magic about them. Um... It's like really hopeful. It's like a really in- hopeful innocence about it. And then after Prisoner of Azkaban, it's like, and depression. What are you, like 13 now? Yeah, that's enough time to have enjoyed life. Time for absolute despair and darkness. Have fun. Okay, so I just looked up some of the most biggest, most like twisty, turny mazes. And um, I've literally done the first one. Wow. Oh. Okay, I take it back. I'm a pro at mazes. Constructed from more than 16,000 English U's. The maze at Longleat is the longest hedge maze in the world. Longleat Safari Park. Stretching for close to 1.7 miles. I got my steps in that day. It's part of 8,000 acres that have belonged to the various Marquesses of Bath since the 16th century. 900 of which were beautified by famed landscape designer Lancelot Capability Brown, so nicknamed for his tendency to describe landscapes as having great capabilities. Oh, Capability Brown over there. Um, The estate also now includes a safari park, said to be the first outside Africa, as well as three smaller garden mazes. Yeah, Longleat was where I was at when, um, remember I told the story about the monkey on the car? Yeah, that was, that was Longleat. If you're in the UK, you should go to Longleat. That's good. I haven't been for a long time. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pretty, like, good as a, as a safari park. I think so. I'll look into it. The world's largest maze, the Maison Labyrinth, is located, wait, hang on. This is the longest maze. What? Oh, the longest hedge maze, is it, Longley? The world's largest maze, the Maison Labyrinth. Of course it's a labyrinth. It's located in an Italian town, better known for giving the world Parmesan cheese. (laughs) Pronounced it right that time. It's also, no way, it's also the result of a dare made between Italian publisher Franco Maria Ricci and author Jorge Luis Borges. After Richie declared he wanted to build the world's largest maze, and Borges said it couldn't be done. And if you think about it, as it's to do with cheese, cheese comes from milk, which comes from cows, which are fed on maize. 
like not maze, but maze. Yeah? Blow your mind, didn't I? Don't worry. Plenty more crazy connections over here. Don't even worry about it. So I thought I'd do something different uh, for this last word. I I know, not a randomly generated word. I apologize. Um, I thought I would finish off today with some quotes, just some really nice uplifting quotes. I don't know why. I think maybe because I've been seeing around on social media, like, seems like people are quite down. I don't know. Or just a little bit lost. So, screw it. Here's some, here's some quotes that might help. I do like a quote. Sometimes it's a bit too on the nose, but sometimes they can just be, just one, one can hit, hit something that's like going around in circles in my head and it'll just make something click. You know what I mean? Um, so I'll read a few out and hopefully one of them will click for you and then I'm going to go. All right. All right. So, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. That's Mary Ann Radmacher. Believe you can, and you're halfway there. Teddy Roosevelt, yeah boy, self-belief is the biggest battle, I swear to God. And once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through, how you managed to survive. You won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain. When you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what this storm's all about. Haruki Murakami. Very true. Learn to embrace the storm. Why fit in when you were born to stand out, Dr. Seuss? Yeah, boy. I mean, like, societal safety, I suppose, but that's boring. Because then you get to the end and you go, oh, I played it safe. God damn it. Well, now what? Now I just... <laughs> See ya. Dead. You know, you can fit in as long as you don't compromise who you really are. And if that doesn't fit in with people, then you're hanging around the wrong people. Music expresses that which cannot be put into words, and that which cannot remain silent. Victor Hugo. That's what I was talking about in the last episode when I was talking about meatloaf, and that that unexplainable magic that comes when you get the right vessel put with the right lyrics and the right song, and it's it is unexplainable. It is ethereal, and like it feels tangible, but it's not. It hasn't got words. Yeah, man. It is during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. Aristotle. Right, gonna be honest, nothing against Aristotle. Good lad, had some good points. I think Dumbledore said it better. Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times, if one only remembers to turn on the light. Oh, the goosebumps. Spin straight facts, Dumbledore. Ugh. No act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Aesop. Yeah, man. I always think that. Like, if I've got the opportunity to, then um, do. Like, even if it, you know, something little and it can have that knock-on effect. Or even just make someone smile. 
you know? I think so. And karma, bro, because I once helped an elderly lady to her car with her shopping. And then I went and bought a scratch card and won a tenner. So basically, there's your proof. There's all the proof you need. A mind is like a parachute. It doesn't work if it isn't open. I like that. Who is that? Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa. Yeah. An open mind. Yeah, Frank Zappa. It's about the most open of minds you can get. Above all, be the heroine of your life, not the victim. Nora Ephron. Very true. Very true. And if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. Milton Berle. I like this. I agree with this. I'm also going to change this slightly. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. And also then leave a window open so if you don't hear the knock because you've got headphones on, then it can shout through the window, Hey! You deaf! I'm trying to give you something. I'm... I'm here. Hello. That's, um... I think I've, I've made that ten times more eloquent. Okay, that'll do. I'm not going to carry on changing quotes. <laughs> I hope you're feeling a bit more chill than when we first started. And uh, come on over to Patreon if you want more, if you want more chill. Patreon is a website where you can subscribe to me to get a bonus episode a week and more content if you would like it p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com forward slash Kevin kingston if you're new here hello thank you for hanging out nice to have you and if you've been listening for a while hi glad you're still here hope it's helping uh i'll speak to you soon cool take care bye